Hi, welcome to Ruin My Life, a podcast about forcing your friends to like the things you like. I'm Jason Edwards. I'm Kelsey Goldman. And we're here today to talk about, what is it, Kelsey? We're talking about the HBO miniseries, Generation Kill. Generation Kill. Mm -hmm. David Simon and Ed Burns series on, uh, <laughs> on the Iraq War, which uh, as, as, you know, as, as you know, Kelsey, today, as, as we're recording, we are celebrating... <laughs> Celebrating? Uh, death, uh, maybe that's the wrong word. The 16-year anniversary of the Operation when Iraqi we Freedom. invaded Iraq. We did it, everyone. We, we invaded Iraq. Mission accomplished. Sort of. <laughs> sort of? <laughs> what do you mean, I mean, we did of? invade. That's did true. we accomplish anything? That's to be in, in, invasion, determined. Invasion accomplished. Invasion accomplished. Uh, if we don't stop soon, I'm just going to be hashing like political cartoons from 2004. Let's so let's not. Then. Maybe you should take take it away, let's Kelsey. Not. So, um, Generation Kill is based on the book of the same name by Evan Wright, who was a Rolling Stone reporter. Um, it was uh, taken from several articles he wrote in Rolling Stone. Um, it follows the second platoon of the first battalion of the reconnaissance marines in uh, as they invade Iraq in March of 2003. Um, uh, it follows mostly, um, Bravo Company, which is about, I want to say about 16 to 20 people total, but there's some other people in and out and, you know, there's people in that company who play more important roles than others. One of the hardest things about watching these military series from HBO, which we're going to watch the other two as well, um, because I like them, is that there's lots of white boys with the same haircut and they're very hard to tell apart. <laughs> if anyone saw Dunkirk, same um, same thing. <laughs> yeah, Dunkirk. I was so confused by the characters. Oh. I honestly, I missed an important plot point. You're gonna hate Band of Brothers. Oh man. <laughs> I'm, uh, well, great. I'm excited. Give me give me real pumped up for it. Um, this is this is also compounded by the fact that this is a uh, David Simon Ed Burns joint. Mm -hmm. So there is a there's know, no there's no preamble here. There, there is a almost deliberate confusion of the audience. Yeah. You're thrown in head first, and that sort of. Uh, well, I mean, we'll get into more aspects of that, but that that does not that is not helped by the fact that everyone kind of looks the same, especially once they're in their helmets and their their, yeah. their gear. Yeah, the show is um, roughly seven episodes, seven hour long episodes. I mean, it is seven episodes, but they're of varying lengths. Yeah, they're all <laughs> over an hour long. Yeah, um, and it covers about a month. Um, yeah, I think three, three weeks, they say, at one point. Yeah, 20, 22 days or something like that. Um, as the, as the, this, this battalion, which is the reconnaissance Marines, so they're like the first Marines in, in Iraq on the ground. So, Jason, mm -hmm. let's just start with uh, your thoughts and feelings. Let's get into it. Like I said, it's, it's a Simon's Burns joint, mm -hmm. like, much like The Wire, yeah, which the wire. I, I assume everyone listening to has, has seen or is knows of familiar with to some degree mm -hmm. so i am a fan of the wire i don't love it it's not my favorite of the three big hbo shows what are the three big hbo uh, the shows? wire sopranos deadwood okay uh sopranos obviously has a place in my heart forever did not know that a uh, great show have never great watched show. the sopranos i think the sopranos is aging better than the wire i think is, that could be true which is i can't really quantify why i feel <laughs> that way but i did very much feel that way but i like the wire mm -hmm. and i admire the way the wire is put together it's very layered mm -hmm. and and it's you know there's a commitment to verisimilitude to to you know to coin a fan to not to coin a phrase i didn't make up that word you did to not. use a to use an overly fancy word for <laughs> realism 
and this show is 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 very much the same. It's in a, it's a it's shorter. Obviously, it's only one seven episode series. It doesn't have the same same scope as as The Wire, um, but it, it deals with a lot of the same themes and it deals with them in the same a similar style. Where, like I said, it's it there is a you know you are fully immersed in this world. There is very little to no hand holding. One one interesting aspect is that the reporter who wrote the articles and the book the show is based on is a character within the the show, and it. I think in basically any other like, creative team would have used that character to explain to you exactly what's going on. But for the most part, the reporter just sort of hangs off to the side and, and like gets a lot of great reaction shots. <laughs> and he's used well. like they, He's occasionally used to ex- explain things to the audience, but never like who people are or what they're doing. Just like if there's like one bit of lingo or like an inside joke that is so impinchable that there's no way the audience would get it without their help yeah they will use the char- the reporter character as a way to explain that but for the most part you get tossed into this world and you got to sort of figure out what's going on on your own yeah and, and there's I- a lot of lingo and stuff that like doesn't get explained through right through that character um scrooby scrooby like that as Scro- the term of lingo scrooby is from what i can tell may have originated from this this Show. I'm pretty sure Scrooby is is that that particular character who yeah. says that. Like, I think that's a word that he uses. Yeah, I think it's it, and and became like in that particular company, like he used it. But it's not like marine slang necessarily. Yeah, and so and so part of the reason why I'm going to be relying on you to to fill me in on the plot details and in many cases the characters' names is yeah. because I've only watched this series once. Yeah, and thus have a pretty loose sense of. Not not what happens. I know what happens, yeah. but the I mean, the, it's history at this yeah, point. Yeah, well, still happening. Yeah, the the finer points are some sometimes elude me a bit, mm-hmm. uh, but I really enjoy that about shows like this or The Wire. That you know, that's that's a, that's a I wouldn't want every show I watch to be like this. I like to sort of have some guidance in what I'm supposed to be understanding about the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you as you pointed out, this show has no score. Yeah, same as with The Wire. And you, you, so you're really left to sort of interpret things on your own. And that's really, in some cases, if the writing is, and direction is good enough, which it is in this and The Wire, that can be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. It sort of is an interesting, it's a different way of engaging your brain with a TV show mm-hmm. that you don't always get. So I really just I really just enjoy the process of doing that and the experience of, you know, of uh, trying to figure out what's going on. And, th- and then, you know, when you just realize you're, you're never going to get it on some level, just going along for the ride. Mm-hmm. Because much like The Wire, the writing and the direction and the acting is sharp enough that you can enjoy what's happening and, and for the most part moment to moment mm-hmm. you basically get what's going on in any given scene and that also probably owes a lot to the direction um which is primarily done primarily done by sorry entirely done by two people uh susanna white is one of susanna, them yeah susanna white and simon selan jones kellen jones simon yes. jones let's simon call jones, them yeah uh great work by the two of them mm-hmm um, I think uh, the you're talking about verisimilitude. I think it also it's helps. It's a good word. It's a good word. It's a yeah. Good word. <laughs> um, I think it also helps, like the verisimilitude, in that like the it's so not removed from what it's actually portraying. Like the people who these are real people that they're portraying. Like they're all they're all actual people who knew about the book and the and the thing in the show um and it's also like five years like it's not there's no time has passed really right right so i think that helps with the the sort of realism of it um 
but yeah, and I think the direction is really good. And I, I really love the, the choice of no score because I think it really, because you are meant to infer things and you're not told how to feel about anything necessarily other than through the acting and the direction. And I think that a big part of this show is that like we're not necessarily supposed to be on anyone's side here. I mean, a little bit, but not really. Um, or like we're not supposed to think that the Marines are good people or bad people or good or evil or whatever like they're just people who are overly violent but they're people right and so are the iraqis and so are like the you know i think in your notes it's much more a story about um uh what was it (laughs) like authority Mm -hmm. than it is a story about you know authority in the way that authority screws over the working man. <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's not a war story in the same way a lot of war movies are, and, and yeah. that I, I I haven't seen Band of Brothers, but I yeah. understand that to be a more traditional. I mean, I mean they're it's, they're it's, fighting the Nazis, it's, so it's Spielberg. It's, yeah, it's they're be more traditional by, yeah. by definition. Mm-hmm. But it, it it is it is about like I said things that that the creative team dealt with in The Wire. Yeah, uh, just in a sort of a different form, mm-hmm. in a different. Yeah, it's not the exact same because. Part of it is, yeah, I, I mentioned this to you in my notes that mm-hmm. I watching the first episode, I was a little bit thrown off in a way I didn't at first didn't think was the way I was meant to be reacting because they really, they really, you know, these characters, they do and say some pretty bad things. Yeah, I think is a real bad, pretty safe blanket statement to make. Real bad. These these people are problematic. They are. They are. Yeah, I think it's even safe to even say. by like two thousand three standards, these, yeah, these, these, <laughs> these folks are they're problematic. Yeah, these there's some there's some problematic faves in the in this bunch. Very problematic. Uh, you know, just the, the but a lot of it's sort of the general language you might expect from a you know, a, a group of Marines. Yeah, like it, the the language is like homophobic, sexist, racist, every kind of like. I like a, a, like offensive term you could do think of is yeah. batted around. It's really they really hit you hard with that in the first episode. Part of that's because the the characters are for the first half of that episode they're not on the move yet, so they're just sort of hanging around and interacting with each other. Mm-hmm. And they say some like some some truly disgusting things. There's one scene where they're they're passing around like family photos of like children, like and making, photos they got sent from like schools. Yeah, and making lewd sexual comments yeah. and like. Some it's of them real are uncomfortable. It, it's, it's horrifying the things they say. But yeah. and my my reaction to that was that I was I, I wasn't sure if because I was I was so calibrating to the show, I wasn't sure because I felt like either the show was going to want me to to you know think these guys are oh they're crude and rough and they're not PC but deep down they're still cool soldiers yeah. or I was supposed to be like sort of like shocked and like oh I can't believe these yeah. you know these fighting men that I'm supposed to think of as heroes are so crude and gross whereas yeah. I was sort of felt neither way. Like, I was not... I think the way you end up feeling is that the American in military industrial complex made them that way. Yeah. And as you, as you, I mean, as you point out, like, as you point out to me in, in person, it's... Yeah. Uh, uh, I, that, that was the right reaction. The yeah. reaction I was having was, in fact, uh, the reaction that they meant for me to have. I was yeah. not two steps ahead this time. Nope. <laughs> I, was, I was playing right into their hands. Yeah. And that, that, that sort of... Um, yeah, because it's not really a story so much about these characters or these people as individuals it's mm-hmm. about the system that they that they live in and the system that we all live in and how it can you know sort of not only cause something like the iraq war to happen but can cause it to sort of you know fall Fuck apart in the, way that, in the way that it does and this is this is from like 2008 
Yeah. I mean, do you think they had any inkling that, like, 10 years later, 11 years later, we'd still be in Iraq when they made this? Probably not. I mean, at that point, five years already seemed, like, too long. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, in 2008, we were all gung-ho about a new political upstart who was going to, you know, get us out of Iraq and close Guantanamo and do a lot of other stuff that <laughs> didn't quite come around that way. But I digress. Um, I wanted to, because I wanted to watch all three of the sort of, what I call the HBO War trilogy, which isn't really a proper trilogy. Um, it's, it's, it's unsatisfyingly balanced for a trilogy, because there's, there's one show set in, like, the modern day, basically. Yeah. And two shows both set during World War Two. Yeah. So it, it's... It's, like, it's actually part of two trilogies, I think, because there's, there's, like, Band of Brothers, which is about infantry army. And then the Pacific, which is about the Marines, and those are both in World War II. And there needs to be, like, an Air Force show, and that's the third of that trilogy. Right. But then there's, like, the Pacific, which is about the Marines, and this, which is about the Marines. And there needs to be the Vietnam Marines show, and then that's a trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I, my friend Camden, who introduced me to it, they always called it the friend HBO. Friend of the podcast. Friend of the podcast. Um, the HBO War trilogy. So, and, and they introduced me to it, and... Um, I uh, have always just referred to it that way. <laughs> um, and I wanted to watch all of them. And I uh, I consulted with Dave. And I was like, which one should I make Jason watch first? Like, which one will he, like, appreciate the most? And he was like, I think Generation Come. Like, that's what I was thinking, too. But I just wanted to check, you know, because I felt like he would give me a good, you know, feel on that i feel like he's in your head <laughs> um so i chose this one very much is i, I chose this one first because i thought you would like have the sort of not the most investment but like there are already things to this like it's david simon joint like that you like understand and know so yeah. not that you don't know like steven spielberg but you you know what i'm saying yes I, exactly <laughs> and you um, were right i think you were right to start with this one and yeah. perhaps move backwards yeah we're gonna go backwards um so yeah, I think I think you you have the the sort of same reaction that I do is that it's like there's moments where you like kind of do feel for most of the characters and you're kind of like, "Oh, they're just they're just a dude." But then they have these other moments where you're like, "What? No. Why? No." There's very few characters that I feel like you feel one way or the other on. Um a few exceptions, but like there's there's some very hateable, like disgusting people. Um Yeah. But most of them, you kind of just feel got fucked over by the system. Yeah, you, the strongest, the, the, I think, the strongest impression you're left with, aside from the, because the, the the odd thing is, you do sort of get used to the way they speak and interact with each other, even if like it is objectively pretty terrible. Yeah, you, that you sort of like get used to it, which I think is also part, probably intentional as well, mm-hmm. as sort of like mm-hmm. shock you and then like you know demonstrate to you how quickly you could you could be acclimated to this like style of of, of interacting. But this the, the main. You know, the, the, the the main sort of frustration you feel with the you know with the, in the show is not directed towards these characters for the things they say or even necessarily the things they do but it sort of is the systems of power that they're in, inside of and like they're admitted like people above them who direct them and people above those people and so on and so on mm-hmm. and how that entire system is basically unsustainable because there's a sort of you know there there's this happens a few times over the course of the show that the that um ferrando godfather yeah who is the boss of the marines i'm fairly i'm fairly sure he is the like uh 
commander of the second but the first battalion okay um i i think i I have no reason to think that you're wrong but i just want to say as a note to listeners if we are if we get any details wrong (laughs) we're sorry if we don't understand marine like structure come on we're civilians (laughs) this is the third time i've watched this whole series (laughs) and i'm just now getting it so ferrando is i'm I'm pretty sure he is the the um the head of the the first reconnaissance battalion which is like the whole thing that we are following right that has like we're mostly following bravo company but also as alpha charlie and delta company right he is for all intents and purposes he is basically he is the boss yes because he is the Highest ranked character in the military who we have as a as a character in the show. Uh, we have we have Mattis for half a second. Mad Dog Mattis appears briefly and yeah. uh, but is more of an off screen presence. Yeah. But you you know you get the sense multiple times throughout the show that whenever Ferrando is doing something that is maybe ill advised or not you know doesn't doesn't seem to be have anyone's best interest at, at heart, he's just doing stuff for because it'll be showy and impressive. Mm-hmm. He's doing that to impress Mattis, who is his boss. Yeah. So he is sort of, you know, even though he is like the, the the center of like so many bad decisions that come down through the show and like clearly not only screw over the characters we know, but also like they have a negative impact on Iraq in general. Yeah. Uh, so he's like sort of the, the you know, the, the, the source of so many bad things that happen. But even he is driven by the need to like, you know, if he doesn't, imp- it's, it's made clear at one point there's, there's a character who was mentioned uh, being stripped of his command, even though he completed his mission because he at some point in the past, didn't do exactly what Mattis wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So you see that Ferrando is driven by the same thing as everyone else, which is that yeah. you know, I, I have to do, the, I have to like, I have to meet the quota set by my boss in order to keep my job and not, you know, be fired and starve. Basically. Capitalism, capitalism, <laughs> baby. That's my, and honestly, that's one thing my favorite thing about this show is how clearly it understands the idea of bosses and yeah. how they're always bad. <laughs> uh, leaders are not bad because, like, Sergeant Colbert. Yeah. Is sergeant? Is he a sergeant? He's a, yeah, Sergeant Sergeant Colbert. Alexander Skarsgård. Alexander Skarsgård. Or. Who is, his, is by all, for all intents and purposes, the main character. He's essentially the main character. Yeah. He's, the, he's, the, the people in his fire team are the, are the, like, main people we're with most yeah, of the time. And, and his direct supervisor is, I think, Flick? Fick. Fick, sorry. Um, Sark, so, Sark Sands. Sark yeah. Sands. Those two are, they're good leaders. And you mm-hmm. see that at other points in the show. There are people who are, have their, like, the, their, have the people around them's best interest at heart. Mm-hmm. But bosses are people like Captain America yeah. or Fernando or Mattis. Rancino Man. People who are just, you know, mm-hmm. directing others on, on what to do but have no actual stake in what's happening. They, they reap all the benefits, but they put in none of the actual effort. Mm-hmm. And there's a term they use, uh, pogues, they say, yeah. say P-O-G's, person other than grunt, mm-hmm. which is basically a derogatory term for anyone who is a boss who is mm-hmm. not actually on the ground doing the work but is reaping the benefits and that is the most uh, succinct version of that concept i've ever heard in the show <laughs> it is so relevant to you know obviously i'm not in the military no Kelsey, you're not in the military no but we all know we but all know pogues. we know all know the persons other than grunts you know a pogue when you see them yeah you, you work with pogues you, there's many pogues in your life yeah you are, uh the resentment they feel towards pogues in the show is very identifiable is mm-hmm. maybe the most relatable thing mm-hmm. for me in, in the show Aside from the moment when they're singing uh, "Tainted Love" and uh, <laughs> Pearson makes Colbert do the hand clasp, yeah, because that's very relatable. It's very relatable, and it's like he doesn't do it the first time, yeah. and he's just like, "Excuse me." <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think that observation is is 
very astute and i look forward to reading your dissertation on <laughs> generation killing and you know the steady decline of capitalism um, still looking for a punch your name <laughs> scrooby capitalism something like that uh there's one line where i think um which one um the guy who <laughs> it claims to be like five different nationalities oh well aspera but they call him poke 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 yeah. poke who at one point claims mm-hmm. to be both he claims to be mexican he claims to be african-american he claims to be native at one point john huertas john huertas uh mm-hmm. says you know something like we thought we were here to liberate iraq but we're here to set up a forward starbucks something from that you know we're, we're here to set up a forward starbucks yeah Maybe that could be the name of my dissertation yeah i'd read it thank you i'd read you know a, a blog post at least oh yeah <laughs> there's definitely uh there's there's some meat here yeah so I think this one, it just really gives like this very succinct portrait of modern war, which is something I think we don't see. We don't see a ton of in in media. At least I don't see a ton of it because I don't seek it out. I would never have watched this if, if Camden hadn't been like, no, you should watch it. It's really good. Also, Stark Sands is in it and I like him. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, we don't we don't see that that sort of depiction of war a lot because I think even like you know the movies that depict war now are mostly one note kind of. Mm-hmm. Again, I haven't seen a ton of them, but um, I think the closest co- comparison I can the, on the top of my head to this movie is why well, two. One is Zero Dark Thirty, which is there's I think people are still not really settled on whether or not that movie is pro or anti torture. Yeah, to me it comes off as pro-torture because they get the information they need through torture <laughs> but then, yeah, that's another thing there that, that that movie is you know obviously it's, it's a it's a more it's a, it's a, high, a more elevated view of the war it's more mm-hmm. bird's eye view people people the main characters are you know have more access to more information are like doing more advanced not advanced but you know what i mean they're operating at a yeah. higher like clearance level basically um but that 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 movie for all it's, it's you know maybe flaws or strengths could never match the sort of feeling that you get from th- from this show which which you know both depicts war as as a awful thing that you know <laughs> basically especially knowing that this war has essentially no point and is you know meaningless and it goes on for 15 years 16 years as of today <laughs> um uh even then you still get like a sense of like the life of these characters like yeah. they're they're lively they're funny even if they're awful they're like yeah. they're enjoyable in a lot of ways they're often likable like and they're they're horrifying but every, but the, the, something like zero dark 30 is too whatever whatever point it's trying to make is yeah. too like it's almost too like heavy-handed the, the gravity of like oh yeah there's still the, the you know 9-11 and the war against terror and we're yeah. gonna you know we're, we're on this mission america and then there's something but then you have something like uh, american sniper yeah which uh my boy bradley was in not, not not a fan of this one bradley the same hit chief which is all about this dude whose you know entire claim to fame is uh killing the most iraqis and it's by clint eastwood so you know it's very yeah. um in awe of, of this character's ability to just 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 fucking waste iraqis yeah it's awesome don't don't clip that i you want me to keep that in no, or I mean, don't, don't don't, don't take it out of context, out of context. yes <laughs> um no, I think like I I think you're right. Like you you do get a sense of these people as people, and and there isn't the gravitas, which I think is different from verisimilitude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we're using big words here. Um, like because I'd watch like you know thirty minutes of just like Ray like chatting Colbert's ear off in the car. <laughs> like Ray Ray is just one of those classic like Simon Burns characters like from The Wire. Just like yeah. just the guy just full of wisecracks. Yeah. Just, you know, responding to the most horrific shit with just the 
<laughs> just these obnoxious but strangely endearing like takes yeah you know i and it's also funny like i feel like there's not a ton of wire crossover which i actor wise which i was surprised about but yeah. james Rensone is is one i did not love james Rensone in the wire um just because that character is kind of annoying, <laughs> Extremely annoying. <laughs> um but i i like him in this a lot i think he does a really good job um but yeah, so I think I think the other thing is that um, I watched this after I watched The Pacific, which I said is also about the Marines, and I think it does give you this sort of interesting portrait of what the Marines are, and as a specific branch of the United States military. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one part in the in the first or second episode um, when uh, Colbert and um, Person take uh, the Rolling Stone guy to a like supply area. Or, like, someone dropped off a big thing of supplies and they have to go drive far to get it because it's not, like, an army base and it's not with the Marines. And the Rolling Stone guy asked him, like, why why did I have to get this for you? And um, person's like, if the Marines could get what they needed all the time, we wouldn't be angry. And if we weren't angry, we wouldn't be ready to kill people all the time. Um, and I think that really, like, sets the tone for, like, what we see the Marines as and what we see, like, because... You know, we, I think we think, because we know, like, so much of the United States government budget goes to the military. And then you watch something like this, you're like, where is that money going? And it makes you question, like, everything, right? Yeah. And, and it gets back to the whole, like, it's going to, like, you know, the people above Ferrando who, like, are, like, sitting with their new weapons and tanks and they and everyone you know they this first reconnaissance marines who are the first people on the ground in iraq have like a humvee that's duct taped together yeah. basically can't afford to replace their helmets yeah that that line is a good sort of summary of the entire show's tone yeah because it sort of is like kind of tossed off by ray and is kind of you know sardonic but also acknowledges like the reality of like of, of what it takes to to keep a human being in the state of mind where they're ready to kill someone at any and all times mm-hmm. and i think that there, there's a there's there's a there's a moment towards the end where, where there's a character questioning you know whether it's it's a sin to kill someone if you if what you feel is not pleasure but indifference mm-hmm. and in that way i i think the show's tone and the sort of like very flat affect with which everything is presented kind of it, it works it sort of puts us in the mindset of these characters because they have to view what's happening around them and what they're doing as basically just their another, job another thing mm-hmm. like someone gets like a, like, a, like a civilian is like tragically like and like murdered like in a scene by a total accident mm-hmm. or by you know because someone was too you know jumpy with a gun or because someone launched a grenade a smoke grenade and it bounced off the road and hit someone in the back of the head and it exploded their brain out of the front of their skull um and you can <laughs> and it's horrible but you kind of just have to keep going because yeah. they couldn't do what they're there to do yeah. if they like you know had even at this point the capacity to stop and then really absorb it yeah because they're like you know they're on like one like shit food meal a day they sleep like two hours and every 40 hours <laughs> like yeah they're fucking angry you want to kill people too yeah. um but yeah i think I, I think that always like that always like sets the tone for me oh really well i think I, I like this show a lot, as as messed up as it is. I think it's just really well done. Um, 
I think we were talking about um, when Asperis talking about, you know, the priest told me it's not a sin to kill someone if you don't like it, but I don't feel anything, yeah. basically. Um, I think that's uh, really interesting. And also, like, sort of coupled with that and, like, a few minutes later when they're all watching the the movie mm-hmm. that Lily has made. Um, and at first they're all like, yeah, this is us and we're Marines. And, like, and then they all, like, sort of slowly are like, well, fuck. <laughs> and they all leave and they just leave, keep it running. And they all just were like, this is kind of messed up when you're viewing it from this side. And also now we have to go keep doing our job. Except for Trombley. Except for Tr- yeah, that, that's the thing. Trombley. <laughs> Trombley's fucked up. Trombley's fucked up. I'm, I'm curious because that's, that's the last shot of the show is basically Trombley yeah. taking in this entire montage that's so horrifying to everyone else around him and mm-hmm. being still the whole way through being like, this is fucking sick. Yeah. And then walking off to keep doing his, his job and, mm-hmm. and you know, shooting people. And we've seen throughout the show that Trombley is, in fact, a dead-eyed psychopath. I'm curious what you what do you make of that ending? What are we meant to take from the fact that we end on Trombley and his sort of, you know, not just acceptance of, but, like, embrace of the horrors of, of what he does? His psychopathy? Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think, I think, you know, there's acknowledgement that, like, yeah, there are people who are like this. Like in the military, I think that I think that's really kind yeah. of great because I, most shows about Marines I think wouldn't go there because like yeah. Full Metal Jacket is probably probably the other big uh, Marine like piece of pop culture and it, it's that's probably maybe the biggest one. Evan, oh you haven't seen it? No. Well, in that there's there is a without giving too much away until I'm about to give away the entire best part of the movie. It's okay. There there is a there is a Marine who sort of snaps and it goes on a you know sort of a a spree of killings mm-hmm. um that, that sort of characterizes it in a weird way anyone who's like seen the movie will not agree with that <laughs> characterization but that's basically what happens he snaps yeah. and he like shoots people yeah they the people not the people he's supposed to shoot mm-hmm. but that's that's, that's that's i got that that's that's painted as like a like a, a, an aberration yeah like this is like one guy who was pushed so far by what happened mm-hmm. by like the the atmosphere of being in a in a, in a boot camp and maybe uh, that he did this and it's like but it's it's almost as if it's something about him like his character could not withstand what he's being put through and because of that he sort of breaks mentally which i think is not totally dissimilar because they're both in a way i think indicting the system of Mm -hmm. the the military but trombley is not like broken by what happens he's sort of no i think maybe the most equipped to do what they're doing yeah i think the the uh the sort of point that the the directors, producers, writers are making is that like is is that Trombley thrives in this system, right? Like it, his sort of the the thing that's wrong with his brain isn't that isn't an aberration here. I mean, it is an aberration in that like the rest of these men aren't like that, to or they're not like that to his extent, because they all sort of do like at one point or another in the in the show have a little bit of that relish you know, for, for combat as like Ferrando talks about at the end, but they, you know, they all sort of break a little at some point and that keeps them a little bit human, but Trombley, like he doesn't. And it's not shown as like something that's going to inhibit him from going farther in this career. It's, it's only going to help him Mm. in to be a Marine, you know? This this person who in another situation would 
not be doing well or would be hurting people in a different way. <laughs> um, what's it? They, what's it? But Poke says they, they 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 put people in jail in California for this kind of shit. Yeah. Um, is like is in an environment where he is thriving, basically. Mm, so so by ending it more, on like that, <laughs> more like Trombley, more like Trombley. So by ending it on that that note, we sort of it's it's sort of it puts a button on the entire idea of how destructive the system is mm-hmm. by saying this is the kind of person who who thrives who, in this who is system. not just produced by this, but who's like yeah, is is sort of most equipped to do this. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah, that that, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I as long as we're in this space, I'm curious as sure. to how you hear your thoughts about this. This book is based on Evan Wright's like experience like traveling with mm-hmm. these people he was embedded with this these marines for mm-hmm. i guess a few weeks yeah or whatever you know however long it was and and i wonder how much influence that had on the way he portrayed them i mean obviously it has a that's a dumb way to phrase it yeah. uh you know that obviously it, it we we you can see like from any situation where if, if someone gives a reporter access to them mm-hmm. even if they are a objectively bad person like if if, if you give reporters a lot of access they will like start to like you more just because you know for, for like various reasons like reporters are also you know servants of capitalism they have to like you know generate content <laughs> and if someone if someone is like letting you like ride with them on their bus or letting you i don't know follow them around while they go around uh, uh el salvador murdering uh, peasants for example uh you're gonna sort of like you're gonna appreciate them just for the fact that they're giving you a story and i think also just exposure to somebody makes you sort of grow to close to them and just the sense that being paired with somebody for a long time can do that. Yeah. So I'm curious, like what, I don't know. I, I guess I'm wondering what this story would be like if it was written by somebody who was not there with these guys, mm-hmm. but you, you couldn't make that this story. You couldn't the write way. the story. You couldn't do it. It wouldn't be the same. I think, but I'm wondering if the perspective would be maybe less, less kind to these people than, than it is. Yeah. Cause it's pretty, it, it does. It does. It paints these characters with all their, many flaws but it is essentially on their side well i think um to an extent yeah i think actually it the 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 series does a pretty good job with this in that like i feel that the evan wright character who i don't know if we ever actually get his name in the show i think he's just the reporter or yeah scribe. yeah um <laughs> i think they do a really good job of like sort of showing his acclimatization to this environment like kind of what you were saying earlier in that like we as as viewers get used to the way they talk and and the way they like interact with each other and even though it's like so jarring at the beginning i think it that sort of is meant to echo the way that Evan Wright probably felt as he was embedded with these guys. Like, I think it was probably the thing that was jarring at the very much at the very beginning. And then he sort of gets used to it and does, because he's with them is sort of on their side. Um, and I think we see it also with like uh, the character in the show and that like when he arrives, he's like so out of his element and very much like, what the fuck? And by the time he leaves, like, he's not not feeling that way so much anymore. And I think he still, you know, has criticism, is critical of of the thing from his um, his final conversation with Ferrando. But it's, like, it's very – you do see what you were saying about, like, you know, he sort of gives 
a little leeway to people who have given him this unfettered access. Right. Um, well, because the show does, does, does it on, on a few occasions really like reminds you that this is people's homes they're driving through in a way that is, I think, you know, is, is could have been great if it had been more expanded on, but also the, like, you, again, the show would be different if we weren't fully in like the world of these, these men and like what they're doing. And their point of view, like we, you know, we, we can't really expand out from that and have the same show, but we do occasionally get like real stark reminders of like, oh, this is someone's like, like there's a, there's a scene early on where a, where a character uh, basically sets up and, and, and takes a shit on what is someone's front lawn. Mm-hmm. And it really reminds, reminds you that this is a, these are, they're rolling through people's homes, people like places where people live. And I, I just, you know, and and it's it's you know this obviously it's a it was a complicated situation, and I don't know if we're gonna uh, solve the idea of what sort of actual moral accountability individual soldiers hold in wartime uh, on this podcast. I don't think I'd we rec- should be in charge of that. I guess we I guess we're probably not going to. <laughs> but um, it, I mean, it, it makes me wonder. Like this was this was a war that was you know essentially conducted for dishonest and nef- nefarious reasons, um, and these were all volunteer fighters. But I just, you know, what, what I'm getting at is, like, I can you imagine this show uh, with the same sort of tone and style about, you know, the German forces as they march on Poland? Oof. Not to say that they're, the actual events are, you know. No, but I get what you're saying. But... You get the idea of, like, people who are following orders. Yeah. And, you know, what it, what is the moral accountability of individual soldiers in a war? Right. And again, I don't even, you know, I, I certainly don't have the, the means to, to really even grapple yeah. with that question in an effective way. But I it, it, just, the, you know, the idea of perspective, because you, you, you could, because the show is so narrow in its scope, mm-hmm. you could make this show about almost any, you know, group of armed, armed combatants doing anything mm-hmm. in a sense, mm-hmm. you know, and it would sort of you could probably like get people to care the same amount about those characters. Yeah, and I that's honestly that's part of the reason I think I would really like to see the Vietnam version of of Generation <laughs> Kill just because it's it's, you know, different from the Pacific where it's like, you know, Marines in a, in a in a war zone who I think for the most part believe morally that they were doing the right thing and and most of whom in the Marines were uh, volunteers. In that particular thing, um, not all of them, but um, but I would like to see the the Vietnam version of the show where uh, a lot of the people fighting are somewhat morally opposed to the thing that they're fighting, mm-hmm. and who are not necessarily the, not necessarily there voluntarily. Um, I really just want them to make that show. Someone needs to make that show. Yeah. Pitch time. <laughs> Pitch time. Um, uh, uh, yeah, Vietnam the yeah. show, but not like the one that just came out. It's very good though the Ken Burns one. Yeah, it's good. I never finished it because it's like 20, it's so 20, long, twenty eight hours long. It's so long, <laughs> but it's good. I mean, it's Ken Burns, Ken Burns documentary. It's he good. Can't miss. <laughs> he's, he's, he's the goat. Yeah. Of slowly panning across still <laughs> photographs while someone reads a letter. The Ken Burns effect. <laughs> uh, that that that's some that's some real high that's some real real operator shit right there mm-hmm. when you are so. So own a style. They they name a fucking effect in eye movie after you. <laughs> I don't know. My point is, it sort of makes me. It it makes it gives me pause mm-hmm. to consider that if if someone was embedded with someone who I really like, fully 
oppose, which in a sense I do oppose what's happening in this show. Like, yeah. it was a bad idea. I think, I think, was, I, I think in hindsight, most people do. It, 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 I mean, a lot of people thought it was bad. In, well, yeah, that's what I mean. Too. That's what I mean. You, a lot of people thought it was bad when it was happening, but I think in hindsight, most people think right. it was bad. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're, you're right. Um, so I'm, I'm just wondering like how, how far, you know, how, how far could that be taken mm-hmm. in, in the sense that we would accept it in, in, in society, I guess. I'm 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 I know I'm out there, man. But it's like it's 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 war. It takes you there. It does. Um, I would know. You would definitely <laughs> know. Yes. <laughs> um, on the whole, what what did you think like of the show? Uh, great show. Yeah. Something else I really appreciated is how is is how narrow the scope of the show is, but how they address so many things about the Iraq war in the, in like by focusing on these, these few characters. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm sounding like Ferrando over here. Well, <laughs> I should cut that too. Did, 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 wait, did that character have, have throat cancer? Or did the actor have throat cancer? I don't know. Actually. Do you want to look that up? Yeah, I'm actually, going to. I would not to. mind if you looked that up right now. I, <laughs> I was curious the whole time and now I'm just dying to know. Uh, I'm going to keep talking though. Please do. Because there, there's moments where they encounter Iraqi civilians and they have to grapple with the fact that what they're doing is, is destabilizing these people's lives in the same way that, on the whole, the Iraq war destabilized that country and, and region, generally speaking. And there's, and then the last episode is sort of, you know, we're still following these same small groups of people, but they've reached Baghdad and it sort of is like the, you know, it's, it's the sort of the climax of our story but it's also showing what happens when america truly begins to occupy iraq and you can see just from like the experiences these people have that that we were in no way prepared to do anything which is not due to the actions of individual soldiers like the people in the show but it is you know demonstrative of how america as a larger entity approached iraq and then sort of you know accomplished the goals we were actually like the specific goals we wanted to do, you know, uh, you know, kill Saddam Hussein. But then once we were there, we had no idea how to handle the actual means of, of stabilizing this country. And you really, the sh- I think I was really impressed by how the show like created that impression with such a small group of characters in such a short amount of time. You really see the, like the wheels starting to spin off and things sort of toppling, and the center cannot hold, etc., 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 etc. Did you find out? I think. He didn't actually sound like that, but I don't think that the actor sounds like. It seems like the actor like did like develop felt like it was a good choice for the role. I think it is a good choice if it was a choice because it, it <laughs> lends that character a sense of gravitas. Yeah, as we were saying earlier, but but is which is slowly undercut when you realize that he's oh just sort of a he's seeking glory for its own sake and doesn't actually mm-hmm. have these people's best interests at heart. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I don't think the actual Ferrando sounded like that, but I think the the actor made it made a distinctive choice. Anyway. So yeah, I think the show is very good. It's very effective. I think that um, I think that all the questions I have that have been raised by it are probably intended. Mm-hmm. I think that you know um, maybe I expected the show to be more pro-military than it was which is 
not kind of ridiculous because it's it's even in 2008 making a show about the Iraq war that was like just totally pro military would, would have felt kind of weird mm-hmm. even in our country our culture that yeah, is so and for David Simon and Ed Burns yeah, it was just so weird. worshipful of the idea of, of the the troops um, but I also I I it, it is a concern because they are like you know based, based on the wire they that's a show that is very much about systems and how systems are failing us as well yeah. but is pretty you know, pretty respectful of individual cops. Well, see, that's the thing. It's like, I think it is anti-military, but pro-grunt, basically. Yeah. <laughs> which, which is, you know, I guess, broadly speaking, a thing I can get behind. Yeah. Even if there's some ambiguity there. Yeah. But I'm just like, you. C- I don't know if you can make a show like The Wire today. I don't know if we would all feel that good about that show now. If there was like a serious, like, left-leaning intellectual show project like that on tv that was like about cops and how they're just doing their best for the most part and their bosses are the ones that are really screwing people over no i don't think you could i well i got well you know brooklyn 99 still exists which is a wacky comedy about the nypd but we love it we love it we do love it actually i do love that show. I do, same but it's sort of you can't really stop to think about what's actually happening yeah because you're like oh this is not great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't think I would like these people in real life. I bet the real MYPD is not this lovable. <laughs> they are not. <laughs> uh, I'm, 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 set, I'm setting my sights on the real sacred cows this episode, Kelsey. The, the Iraqi invasion. <laughs> the NYPD. Things no one else has the guts to go after. <laughs> Only me, the truth teller. Um, yeah, I, think you're, I don't think you can make a show like The Wire now. I also don't think you can make a show like The Wire. I don't think David Simon is the person that should be making a show like The Wire now. I thought you were going to say, I also don't think you could make a show like The Wire when The Wire was made. Which I also would have agreed with for some reason. <laughs> I think, uh, as much as I like his output, David Simon's kind of an asshole. Yeah, his, his tweets <laughs> are bad. He's a big asshole. His tweets are very he bad. He spoke at my college when I was there, and he was just, like, terrible. <laughs> like... Because people had, like, like raised, like, legitimate concerns that you would raise in, you know, 2011 about The Wire and, and you know, at a liberal college campus. Oh. David Simon strikes me as the kind of guy who would be so mad if he had to speak to, a, like, a college student in, in 2019. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I don't, like, I think if you were going to make a show about, like, Baltimore and, and crime and politics and stuff, you could not, you couldn't do it the way he did you you might not want to have two white guys be the ones in charge yeah um and it, it's a great show and i don't mean it's to, a great show it is again not aging super well but it is it is, it is an achievement mm-hmm. and those two guys were the ones who essentially wrote it mm-hmm. so they not the only creators involved obviously there's the actors directors whatever yeah i don't mean to undermine the show but it is uh yeah you it, you probably wouldn't i don't know if we would buy in it that so much nowadays i think you're right Kelsey, how did you feel watching the show for the third time? Good, I think. I mean, not, you know, I think <laughs> I loved what, it. What did that guy say in the last episode? Like, I can't believe I get paid to do reps and hang out with the best guys in the world. <laughs> what show are we watching? <laughs> Generation Kill was filmed in front of a live Let's studio audience. audience. <laughs> um, no, I think, I think because I've seen it, uh, this is my third time now. First time was in college, um, and then I watched it in about, uh, 2014 2015 again i can't remember quite which um 
and um i'm sorry all i can think about now is the generation kill sitcom <laughs> where, where colbert is like the the disapproving sitcom mom <laughs> and ray is like the mischievous dad <laughs> and trombley is their wayward son i love it <laughs> <laughs> like, trombley did you kill another dog um yeah i think this time i was able to sort of like uh not get as bogged down in the the details of it like because i know who the characters are for the most part i still get confused by some of them um especially the ones that aren't in our main like bravo company the 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 main you know uh group because i mean a lot of them look alike (laughs) but um there's two there's encino man and there's a character played by the guy who played doug on the wire yeah the wire uh house of cards his name is brian when they when they have (laughs) their helmets on look the exact same yeah it's it's horrible um the character's name is brian i don't remember what the what the actor's name is but um yeah they look the exact same so i was able to like and like focus on that not as focus on that stuff as much and just sort of like watch it because I, I wanted to watch things after you watch them so i could see like what you were reacting to and sort of pay attention to the same things that you were paying attention to um so which i always just find like fun when we do this stuff <laughs> like because because other people always notice things that you don't notice right right um but yeah i think because the first time i watched i got definitely caught up in like was that and what does that mean and what huh i don't know but i think like now this being the third time i've watched it i understand like the lingo better and i understand who who is who better and like the sort of um you know hierarchy and and structure of the thing that we're watching um so i think that sort of allows me to like focus on this larger themes more and not get so caught up in trying to understand the calm talk <laughs> yeah it's, it's a shame I, I, as soon as i finished i kind of want to re- rewatch it yeah it really is like i would like to actually be able to understand what's happening in a, in a clearer sense yeah and there is a lot of great dialogue mm-hmm. like like these, these these those dudes are sharp mm-hmm. with their with their stuff yeah even, I, even if most of it i would never repeat again to into a living soul yeah because it's i think it took horrible. me like through like halfway through the second time I was watching it to understand, like, the, like, when they, that when they're talking on the comms, they have to say interrogative when they're asking a question. Because I was like, oh, that's what that means. (laughs) Because, like, you can't, like, just raise your voice at the end of the, like, you can still do that, but it's not necessarily going to get across that you're asking a question and you need an answer. Honestly, that, that, we should adopt that technique for internet communication. Right? I think that's actually a great idea. Because (laughs) tone on the internet is so impossible to parse. Yeah. And if we're going to be communicating online with people, we should, like, make things as clear as possible. <laughs> I, guess, I, like I guess that's what emojis are for. Yeah, and question marks. And, like, you know, learning, just learning the lingo and stuff, I think, took me, like, a good two watches to, to understand what they meant. But, yeah, it is it is easier to watch what you, once you understand what's happening. <laughs> that's, that's what I mean, that I wouldn't want every show to be like this. Yeah. I like the... Many shows uh, want you to know what's happening from the get go. Yeah, I respect the other the the you know, the Simon Burns model, but yeah. I think most shows are better off with you because you got you have to be really really good at what you're doing in order to make that work. And again, mm-hmm. Simon Burns, whatever I don't like about them, are very good at that. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna call it a uh, life ruined. Life ruined. 
Yay. Yay. We did it. The next one has some women in it. It's very exciting. Oh, yeah. We didn't even get into your, your feminist read of the, of the show. <laughs> I don't know right, if you... I guess my proposed <laughs> doing a feminist read of the show. Yeah. There, well, it's the, hard. <laughs> the two times women show up, it is terrible. Yeah. It is absolutely... It's like, so bad. Gut-wrenchingly hideous. You can't... Uh. You, do, you don't want to be around these people. And yeah. Like, they're, they're never less likable than when, like, the two times they see a woman. Yeah. It's awful. It's terrible. Um, which is not surprising. No. But unpleasant all the same. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's time for me to give a special thanks to Danny Abound of the Weeping Willards for use of their song, Outside in the Rain, from their self-titled album. Buy it. It's on Bandcamp. It's a good song. It's a good song. It's a good album, too. It's a jam. Um, a special thanks to Carly Sussman, who designed our logo. You can find her work at carly-rose.com. If you have a second, review us. Rate us. us. You know, rate us. Follow us on, on Facebook, Twitter. Tell a friend. Tell a friend about our podcast. Listen, look at our back catalog. See if there's a you know topic there that you like. There's got to be something. Just we've hit, we've hit a lot of things. Well, we did all seven Harry Potter books. There's that's something the, in there that you delight. like. People love talking about those books. And if you don't like Harry Potter, like surely you will like one of our much more niche things. Yes. <laughs> Try perhaps our, our Bo Burnham episode, episode which now needs a huge addendum because of his first feature film, Eighth Grade. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen it yet. Well, it's great. Yeah. It's great. That could be a... Yeah, we do a whole other hour of bo burnham material based in eighth grade alone uh, he's not problematic yet most most times in the episode an addendum it's because i've caped for someone who turns out to be fucking terrible uh, i'm not gonna do it again bo burnham don't let us down <laughs> we already acknowledge that this is problematic so it's fine right so we're good right we're good once like you, david you... simon's problematic the show is problematic we know it's problematic like yeah. it's and chill. our show is problematic too it's very problematic i guess i guess anyway don't cancel us please don't please don't cancel i mean i mean you can't cancel us we control us but yeah i i dare you to try to cancel (laughs) us uh merry christmas and happy Happy holidays. holidays they wish i would go ahead and fuck my life up can't let them get to me And even though I always fuck my life up, only I can mention me. They wish I would go ahead and fuck my life up, can't let them get to me. And even though I always fuck my life up, only I can mention me. Only I can mention me. Can mention me. I mean, if, if someone sings, sometimes I feel I've got to, and, and you don't do the bum bums, oh, buddy, is that that's not you know you can't you that's that's not a brotherhood. No, not at all. <laughs>